thank you very much for agreeing to talk to me on the subject of the Innovation Health Initiative. Uh, what can the medtech industry most hope to gain from it, do you think? Well, good, good morning, Amanda. I think participation to IHI as a founding member of this uh, public-private partnership is really a major change for the medtech industry for two reasons. First, because it is the first time in the EU research and funding programming that the medtech industry is considered as critical uh, for the deployment of healthcare delivery. First mm -hmm. point. And the second reason is that by joining forces with the pharma industry, now we hope to be able together to deliver what we call in the jargon integrated solutions. But in, in real, what does it mean? It means when you go to the hospital, you do not ask for a drug, you do not ask for a device, you ask for a cure, you ask for a solution, for a therapy. And usually these therapies, these diagnostics are combining elements coming from the pharma and the medtech side. But if these two industries are not developing together upstream step, yes. then you know, it cannot be, let's say, easily integrated in the uh, healthcare workflow. That's why I think it is very important that for the first time, the medtech and the pharma industries are working hand in hand, even at the very early state of development of new healthcare solutions. So, and do you see this increased cooperation with the pharma and biotech industries as entirely positive? We are at the very early steps, but you know, even if Innovative Health Initiative is in operation for just a couple of weeks, you know, but we have been working together. I mean, the, the, the five industry associations, we have been working together for more than uh, two years to shape the IHI. It was not only the industry association, but also uh, with the European Commission. And in this uh, dialogue over the past two years, you know, I have seen a real change you know in the mindset and the spirit of uh, the different participants you know that the medtech industry and the pharma industries are living in two different worlds because of different regulation because of different financial models because yeah. uh, they, they are not let's say this they do not have the same history but here for the first time especially uh, when you talk to industry experts you know they are very open-minded and they have more and more uh, discussed openly about new topics. So IHI will not be a place where you will have medtech projects and then side by side to a pharma project. You will have really medtech and pharma solutions proposed and designed together, which is really new. And uh, I would like to give one example just to highlight this. There are a few very big companies that have a pharma division and a medical device division. And uh, these, in some of these companies, you know, the connection between the two is not so easy, even though they are under the same roof, under the same holding company. Yes. But because of IHI, we have witnessed that in some of these companies, that the experts from one division, for instance, the pharma division, start talking to the, to the colleagues in the medical device division. Yes. So it shows that IHI has created not only a framework, but also a spirit for cooperation between the pharma and the medtech sectors. When you talk about this, this spirit of dialogue between the two industries, 
and how they're moving forward together in delivering integrated care. It also raises the question that if you go in that direction, then what does it mean for regulation? Given the regulation of the two product areas has historically been completely separate. But indeed, more recently, we are seeing an increasing number of overlaps. And from what you're talking about, it sounds as if there is going to be even more overlap, which perhaps was happening anyway from a technological point of view. But uh, my question is, where do you see the regulations going? Regulation, well, of course, the, the medical device regulation, the uh, in vitro diagnostic regulation and the pharma regulation are mm. very, are, remain very different for, for many reasons. And the objective of IHR is not to work towards a single model of regulation. This is not the objective. But we can see that the IHI scope goes beyond, you know, the products that are, let's say, like combination products, drug delivery systems that are of joint interest for the um, uh, for the pharma industry and the medtech industry. So we do not want to restrict ourselves, even though these sectors like like companion diagnostic, for instance, which is very important for the development of new therapies. We want. We don't want to restrict ourselves only to this domain of product of interest for the two industries. We want to enlarge this scope, and we have some examples under discussion within companies of projects that are combining, let's say, pure pharma ideas with pure medtech ideas. Yes. And there again, we do not want, let's say, just to to merge the two industries. It's better, you know, that each industry keeps its uh, specificities, its models, its references, and uh, together by joining forces, we can really develop new concepts that were not able to be designed by one single industry sector. You know, it's like it's like a couple. You know, you don't want to merge the two people into one, but both are both person are, are bringing their own specificity. Yes. So looking more specifically at what will be happening, do you expect representatives from MedTech Europe to respond to calls for interested individuals for the new panel, the um, Innovative Health Initiative Science and Innovation Panel? So the uh, Scientific and Innovation Panel, abbreviated in SIP, SIP, is a new uh, uh, governance body in IHI. And it, it is interesting to realize that this body has been proposed and set up in response to some critics against IMI, the former public private partnership in the pharma space. Right. The reason is that we consider that fixing the future priorities of IHI, that means fixing the future topics that should be funded and that should be open for competition, does not refer only to academic excellence but should encompass all dimensions of healthcare delivery. That's why in this scientific innovation panel, of course, academics will be invited just to make sure that we are going over the state of the art. They are always trying to promote scientific excellence, but other stakeholders are invited. These stakeholders could be healthcare professionals, could be patients, could be regulators, payers, so we want to, to have all the people that have a say in the healthcare delivery around the table. 
And that's why, you know, their um, call for expression of interest has been launched recently by the IHI just to attract uh, uh, new representatives uh, uh, at this scientific and innovation panel. The uh, members, so the funding members, that means the European Commission and the industry associations, we also sit there because we are bringing, let's say, uh, the, the budget to, to this uh, initiative. Yes. But the, the, there will be much more external participants to this uh, scientific and innovation panel. Right. Okay, um, you mentioned about the budget. Would you just like to briefly explain how that's being divided? You know, it's easy, even if the figures are quite impressive. The total budget, the total budget of IHI will amount to 2.4 billion euro over 10 years. 2.4 billion euro. It's quite a lot of money. And because it is a public-private partnership, the first half will come in cash from the European Commission, so 1.2 billion euro. And the second half, 1.2 billion euro, will come in kind, mostly, from industry and from contributing partners. The vast majority will come from industry, which means, in practice, that in any project, the pharma company, the medical company, will bring in kind up to 50% of the project budget. We keep, let's say, a space for uh, contributing partners, which is a, a new uh, wording for organizations which are not members of, of, uh, of industry, uh, like charities, foundations, or companies from a totally different sector. I don't know, from the uh, chemical industry or from the uh, digital or ICT industry that could participate on projects and will have to bring their own income contribution. So just to remind, half of the budget from the European Commission in cash half of the budget from industry or like industry uh, in kind on project. Yes. When you say in kind and projects, what, what exactly do you mean by that? Well, I'm sorry for the jargon, you know. In kind of project means all the resources a company or a group of company will dedicate to the uh, operation of the project. It means, of course, people, what you call yes. uh, full-time employees, but also equipment, consumables, uh, access to databases, prototypes, clinical trials. So there are yes. many ways uh, a company can contribute uh, to a project. So they are mobi mobilizing their own resources. Then there are some uh, valorization methods which are approved by the European Commission. And, and then once we have a final estimate of the industry uh, income contribution, then the EC matches the same amount for the project. Right. And you talked about this 2.4 billion being spread over 10 years. Will, do you know, will there be a greater input at the beginning or will it be evenly spread across the 10 years? In a way, I said 10 years, but because we have a late start, we were supposed to start in 2021 last year. So we are in a way uh, merging uh, 10 years into nine. So this year we will have, uh, uh, let's say, more budgets uh, uh, than uh, the, the next years. However, because the concept of IHI is new for many people, not only for the newcomers like the medtech industry, but the model of IHI is significantly different from what the pharma has experienced into IMI 1 and 2. So all Company, all companies and also external stakeholders are some kind of beginners in IHI. That's why we have foresee a ramp-up phase during the first three years so that, let's say, everybody will learn um, 
usually when you learn you are a bit slower that's why we have let's say a slow increase of the budget dedicated annually uh, you know i think last year it was to start with 200 million this year it will be 300 million and i think it will be 300 or 350 I, i'm not i don't remember the exact figures over the next years the, the budget is uh, fixed annually by the governing board to when adopting the, the, the work plan. So we try to, of course, align the budget required for implementing the, the course which have been selected by the governing board. Right. That's very interesting. And moving on now to specific clinical areas, I understand that areas likely to be the subject of the first call for research topics are as follows. Precision oncology, innovative patient-facing care pathways for patients with neurodegenerative diseases and comorbidities, access and integration of heterogeneous health data for improved healthcare in disease areas of high unmet need, and next generation imaging and image guided diagnosis and therapy for cancer. So how will Medtech Europe respond to this and help its members and how will it involve other Medtech industry associations? The draft topics which are shortlisted and their summaries are publicly available on IHI website. So the preparation of these topics uh, comes from uh, discussions between the experts from the European Commission and experts from our industry associations. So as you can see, if you look at these six topics, none of these six topics is uh, specific to one sector only. Even even if you look at, for instance, there is a topic on medical imaging, especially medical imaging uh, for oncology. Of course, uh, COSIR, the uh, Trade Association on Medical Imaging, is strongly pushing for that. But it's not only COSI, because if it would be only medical imaging uh, project, it would not be eligible for IHI. That's why we will have IVD companies, in in vitro diagnostic companies that will participate, and also digital companies that will participate. One key eligibility criteria for IHI project is what we call cross-sectoriality. That's why, you know, these six topics have been presented, let's say, to our members at, as far as Medtech Europe is concerned. And we had discussions and uh, a significant number of companies, you know, have expressed an interest in one or several of these six topics. And sometimes even some Medtech companies are leading uh, 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 an idea that, that could become, let's say, a project later on. Sometimes they are contributing to a project led by another company, maybe a pharma company. Yes. So we have uh, we have the different scenarios, but all in all, I think the uh, medtech sector has are responding very positively uh, to this IHI initiative, even though they, they had no previous experience of projects in a in a European public private partnership. So. They are learning very fast and they are becoming involved very efficiently. Okay, thank you for that. And can you explain how the industry will get itself into position to benefit from the projects and the funding and how the process of getting the consortia together will work? The calls will be the first calls of IHI are expected to be published in late June this year. Yes. Uh, the summaries are, are already available so that everybody, I mean, by everybody, I, I'm thinking about the public 
stakeholders and the private companies. But everybody is start thinking about the, the, the future uh, project that could address these six topics. Of course, for the moment, because the summaries are quite general, you know, we are still at, let's say, the stage of early discussions. But everybody, there again, public and private partners are, let's say, mobilizing their personal networks to see how they could combine their different expertise and later form a consortium that will write a proposal addressing one of these topics. This is not an easy exercise. Yeah. And uh, especially for uh, uh, newcomers in this uh, European uh, research and innovation uh, community. So in order to, to help all the uh, participants, public and private uh, partic- partners in, into projects, we will organize, I mean, the, the IHI office will organize uh, probably in June, the date is not fixed, a public brokerage event. Right, yes. Well, we hopefully hope to have it a, a face-to-face event where yes. any potential partner, be it public or private, can attend and can listen, let's say, to the, to the presentation uh, of the six topics and then start discussing with, uh, with the companies or public uh, partners present about forming or enlarging existing consortium. Also on the IHI website, there will be also partner search tool available. If you look, let's say, for specific expertise to add to your uh, consortium. And right. we will organize this brokerage event every year. And it will, we expect to have a growing community because uh, we are gaining experience uh, after years and we have to have a growing community of public and private partners that are exchanging ideas or later on projects and that will form consortium and hopefully winning consortium. Um, So do you see these events, well this year particularly, as being a virtual or an actual event? Well we cross our fingers but uh, since we expect to have this first brokerage event, either in late June or early July. We really, really hope that we could have, let's say, a a face-to-face event because networking and brainstorming together is very, very challenging if you do it remotely. So, of course, uh, we will have, let's say, to to, to follow the, the sanitary guidelines. But we, for the moment, we try to keep this face-to-face model in, in, in mind. And it sounds to me as if this website is going to be, play a really key role in terms of accessing information and enabling people to find the information they need to start getting involved. You're right, Amanda. The IHI website, the brand new IHI website, is, is really a source of information on all aspects of IHR, about, let's say, the future topics, about the rules of participation, about, let's say, the events, so this, and about, let's say, the, explaining the context and the origin of IHI. So my recommendation would be to have a first look to IHI before, let's say, thinking about uh, being involved into IHI. This is really the place where, and the only place, by the way, Uh, where you can uh, collect all the uh, official information about IHI. And you talk about the calls are expected to be published in late June. When do you think it will be decided who has won the particular initiatives? 
If I may, before answering directly to your question, I just want to remind the process of, about uh, selection of topics. Yes. As, as I mentioned, uh, there are six topics which are shortlisted. These six topics will be officially submitted to the Scientific and Innovation Panel when it will uh, start it op in its operation, probably late uh, March. Yes. And as soon as the Scientific Innovation Panel is in operation, the first task uh, it will perform is the evaluation of these topics. Are they aligned with the objectives of IHI? Do they tick all the boxes? And once the uh, Scientific and Innovation Panel will uh, deliver its recommendation to the governing board, then the governing board will uh, take the final decision and final approval, and then they will be uh, published uh, officially on the IHI website. Then, on the on the D day of, of publication, you know, then anybody can apply, and, and then you you will have a period. I think it is of three months, if I remember. But anyway, the, the the timelines are on the IHI website. I think you have a period of three months where uh, people will write uh, the different consortia will write their uh, proposal and then submit their proposal. Right. Once the, 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 all the bids have been submitted, then there is external independent evaluation of all the bids supervised by the uh, IHI office. So, and then the IHI office will collect, let's say, the ranking and the evaluation of all the bids make the ranking, and then it will be submitted to the governing board. So then without entering uh, too much complexity, but th there will be two types of call, what we call the one-stage call and the two-stage calls with different deadlines. But yeah. what is important to remind is publication late June, then deadline for submitting the full proposal sometimes around uh, end of uh, September, so three months later. And yeah. then you will have, let's say, probably approximately two months at least two months, let's say, for the evaluation and ranking and publication of results. A long-winded process then. Your comment is, is, is very important because the members of IHR, that means European Commission and industry associations, are trying, let's say, to shorten everywhere, let's say, the, the intermediate steps. This year is a little bit longer because we have to set up first the scientific and innovation panel. But yeah. then in the coming years, the SIP will be there already. So we hope to go faster, let's say, what we call from ID to project. And we try to shorten it. And it's even an indicator of performance of IHI. So every year, the governing board will review this uh, time from ID to project, and we try to shorten it as, uh, as possible. All right. Oh, very interesting and very positive for the companies involved. Do you see SMEs getting as involved as larger companies? Well, legally speaking, all companies can can participate, be it a startup, SME, a mid-cap or a big company. They are not only legally uh, able to apply, but they are encouraged to apply. And here I would like to make a difference between the pharma and the medtech sector, because the uh, innovation models are very different between the two sectors. The medtech sector has a lower in-house research and innovation capacity compared to their pharma colleagues, because the medtech sector is more relying, let's say, on startups, on innovative startups and SMEs that yeah. are developing the concepts, and then at a later stage, they deal with the startups to go for the final steps of validation and market access. We expect 
a stronger participation of medtech SMEs to IHI because they are the innovators or they are yes. key innovators in our sectors. However, as you know probably, we have very, very few startups and SMEs members of Medtech Europe. They are usually members of the national associations, you know, because yes. startups yes. are so busy that do not have the time to attend or to participate to European associations. Yes. So at Medtech Europe, we are informing quite frequently our national associations to make sure that their members, so members of our members, are aware of the opportunities and are trained to and be ready to apply to these future calls. This is, anyway, we know that it will not happen immediately because we are just, let's say, organizing webinars and disseminating information. It will take time. But I'm confident because we already have some positive feedback from some startups have expressing their interest in joining consortia. So I'm confident that we should have an increase of the participation of SMEs and startups uh, over the years in IHI. You said um, we expect a stronger participation of medtech in IHI. Would you like to comment on that? IMI? has been very successful, you know, 14 years of operation, 200 projects, some of them with the key successes like the Ebola vaccine, for instance. Yes. So I think there is no discussion about the success of IMI. But the IMI members, especially the European Commission and the pharma industry, realized over time that if uh, they would fund only pharma-only projects, they, they will miss some objectives and they, they, they can answer only partly to, to the needs of the healthcare systems. That's why, you know, over years, even in IMI2, they have slightly opened the door and even some of our members' companies, like IVD companies or some of our medical device companies, have participated at a very limited scale to some IMI2 projects. Yes. And uh, now, so, you know, the late years of IMI were like a pilot for IHI. And this is why now in IHI, we have, let's say, opened widely the doors to both sectors and even more. One key criteria is to have an equal contribution from the pharma and the medtech sector in terms of budget, but it means in terms of companies' participation and so on. So it's not only, uh, let's say, medtech is invited to join. No, medtech and pharma are jointly driving IHI without an equal foot. And turning to my next question, are there any other topics that you hope will be among those likely to be the subject of the first call? I know we listed six earlier. Well, uh, because, you know, it takes a lot of time, you know, to to, to, to select ideas, yeah. to cluster ideas, to sort ideas and so on. So uh, everybody is willing to have, let's say, a publication of the first call as quickly as possible. That's why you probably I don't know what would be, let's say, the, the decision of the uh, scientific innovation panel, but I do not expect the more topics to be added to this list of six for the first call. However, that's very important. While there is plenty of room for future calls, and the, the second campaign or the second wave of IHL calls is expected uh, somewhere around uh, end of the year, maybe December, uh, but the date is not fixed yet. And the brokerage event I have mentioned already will be a good opportunity to, to share ideas. And there again, ideas can come, let's say, from companies, but they can come from any stakeholder. 
and significant change between IMI2 and IHI is the openness and transparency in the uh, prioritization process. In practice, external stakeholders, be it a patient association, let's say a scientific learned society, or uh, let's say anybody which is not a company, has four ways to, to bring ideas to IHI. First, the websites. So on the website, there will be a template where you can suggest ideas for consideration in the future programs. And then these ideas will be screened and analyzed by the scientific innovation panel. Second, you have the scientific innovation panel where stakeholders will be represented. Just imagine, I'll give you a suggestion. If, I don't know, the European Society of Cardiology is elected as a member of the scientific innovation panel, then yeah. you can contact these, the, the, their representatives, say, guys, I have a bright idea in cardiology. Can you share it with the scientific innovation panel? The third way is through the member states, because all the member states and associated countries uh, to European Commission will sit at the state representative groups, and this state representative group is consulted on the priorities. So it might happen that any uh, country could say, okay, we consider that we should uh, invest more, let's say, on prevention of, I don't know, oncology, for instance, or we consider that uh, we should increase the effort towards the uh, uh, cancer mission plan, for instance, or focus on pediatric diseases. So this is another way. And Finally, you know, very last uh, uh, possibility is to attend the brokerage event where you can interact live with the companies, with the office, with the European Commission. Right. It, it sounds a very vibrant and inclusive yes. process. Definitely, yes. It's yeah. a major change. And basically, this is why we used to say that IHI is built on the lessons learned from IMI, but yes. also from another uh, joint undertaking called Excel in the in the uh, uh, electronics uh, semiconductor industry, where there was also some uh, medical device or medical technologies uh, project there. So we have learned the lessons from these two previous uh, partnerships to design IHI, and let's hope that let's say we will uh, learn positively from these lessons and that we will uh, improve the, the the quality yes. of the operation and of the uh, output of IHI. Who do you think is going to benefit most from the IHI initiative? Well, I would see uh, different target groups that will benefit. But for me, the, the main three target groups are first, it's not an order. I would say there are three, three groups. So one is the healthcare professionals, because we expect to deliver, as I mentioned, integrated solutions that would more easily fit into the current work stream at, at the hospital or, or at home. Second category are the patients and citizens. You know, we're talking about citizens if you talk about prevention, for instance, and patients when you are talking about diseases. And third, let's say uh, industry, but in, in the wide sense, because I mean small companies, startups, I would say the industry ecosystem, because one objective is to make Europe attractive again for healthcare research and innovation. We, we, we know from, let's say, uh, some uh, US companies or some Japanese companies having activities or having operation in Europe that IHI could be a game changer for industry. If some overseas company realized that 
because of RHI, the innovation ecosystem in Europe becomes more attractive, then they will move their investment towards Europe. That's yes. why, you know, and then everybody will benefit, the companies, but also, let's say, the workforce, the, uh, the, the member states. And so it will be beneficial for, for all the value chain of uh, healthcare. So can companies from outside Europe get involved? Yes, in, in, in um, some, with some limitations, of course. The IHI is, as I mentioned, funded significantly by uh, the European Commission, so European public money. And of course, we try to implement in Europe this uh, research and innovation ecosystem in healthcare. But however, we do not want, let's say, to close the border and uh, refrain from accesses scientific excellence available uh, overseas. That's why non-European companies or companies from countries which are not affiliated to the European uh, Horizon Europe uh, program can participate, but their participation will be limited to 20% of the budget of, of a project. So they can participate more, but I mean, their contribution will not be taken into account above 20, uh, 20%. And of course, this is the case of uh, we immediately think about let's say U.S.-based divisions, because you know that now in pharma and in medtech, most companies are global, so they have some of their excellent centers based outside Europe. So yes. they they can contribute to the project, but their contribution will be limited 20% of the project. And it's not only about U.S. and Japan, but uh, also about U.K. and Switzerland. Yes, close, I was thinking about the UK. So for the moment, uh, Switzerland is not eligible as an EU partner. So Switzerland will be considered like the US as a non-EU partner. And for UK, it's still under discussion. So to be honest, nobody knows at the moment whether they will either UK partners can participate as considered as a European uh, uh, contributor or associated to Europe, it's still unclear. We are waiting, let's say, the clarification uh, from the European Commission. How long do you think that will take to come? Nobody knows. We hope, we really hope that we have clarifications before publication of the first course. Otherwise, it means it it will create uncertainty and the UK-based entities uh, will hardly participate to IHI. Or only to a limited uh, level, and you know that especially in the pharma sector, but not only, uh, UK has strong assets in, in pharma R&D. So yeah. it, it, it will, in a way, it would be a shame if we, if European citizens cannot benefit from the expertise available there. Yes, yeah, and vice versa, if the uh, UK companies can't get involved. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yes, you're right. And my final question is, uh, we're seeing an increasing amount of overlap in technological innovation between the different health and life science industries. And the once siloed industries are increasingly merging their technologies. Where do you think this is going to lead in terms of changing the outlook for the medtech industry in 10 to 20 years time? I agree with you about the trends. But this is a very, very slow process. Yes. Because, well, for many, many reasons, I've witnessed in the past two years, you know, the significant progress 
in discussion between the pharma and the medtech sector as far as research and innovation is concerned. Yes. We have seen a real improvement, a real uh, open mind in the discussion between the experts, which results into cross-sectorial uh, topics. There again, it does not mean that this industry will merge. It's not the, the aim of IHRI. The aim is to bring, let's say, the best knowledge from both sectors and many more sectors like digital or chemical or I don't know, uh, to merge in, in, into single projects that will integrate these different uh, components. There again, I think the beauty is that if we succeed in let's say, putting all the people around the same table and work hand in hand in delivering these integrated solutions, then it would be a major success because we would have overpassed, let's say, the natural barriers between the different sectors. Very interesting. Uh, the initiative sounds incredibly exciting, and I can imagine that there's a lot of work going on in the different companies around the medtech sector and pharma as well, and a lot of potential for exciting discussions between the two industries, and it'll be really fascinating to see what comes out of this. So it'll be great to keep up to date with you and, um, and follow this, this project. Thank you very much, Patrick. Thank you very much, Amanda. It was very nice talking to you.